0: Our guest today is Dr. E. Joseph Savoy, President of the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. Dr. Savoy has served as president since 2008 after earning bachelor's and master's degrees in education from UL Lafayette, he earned a Doctor of education degree in education leadership and administration from Columbia University's Teachers College in New York City. Before serving at UL, Dr. Savoie served as Louisiana's Commissioner of Higher Education for 12 years. He has served in leadership positions for Louisiana governors Mike Foster, Kathleen Blanco, Bobby Jindal, and John Bell Edwards. And I have to say, I've looked forward to this interview with Dr. Savoie. I really wanted to have this opportunity to have you share your life story and your passion for education. Mm. And we had this set up, before COVID hit, and here we are now, three years later, mm-hmm. in a new studio. So I want to thank Jason Sakura for taping us today, and Joe Savoie, thank you for making time to well, share yourself, no, your story. Thank you,
1: and, and, and I'm glad we put it off because this is a much better environment than we had before.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, so many things are going on at UL, and it's because of your leadership. I think mm. it's relevant for people to know how you grew up, how you ended up going to school at UL, USL. And share yourself with us before we get into Mm -hmm. the work you've been doing at the university.
1: Well, all the good things that are going on are uh, the result of a lot of good people doing good work. Mm And uh, I just happen to have a a position where I can move the pieces a little bit, but the people are doing the work. Mm -hmm. So the progress, I think, is uh, attributable to the great faculty, staff, and students that we have. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a native of Sulphur, Louisiana. Came to school at USL in 1972, so I've been in Lafayette for 51 years Mm -hmm. or or so. Um, I was familiar with the institution. My mother finished uh, at SLI in 1940. She was from Thibodeau, and so twice a year we'd take a family trip to visit my grandmother in Thibodeau in the summers and Christmas. I'd always stop in town and and go to Made Bakery, and then we'd go to a couple of her old classmates, houses and mm-hmm. visit. And then she'd bring us to campus and we'd run around campus. Uh, so I was kind of familiar with the place. During high school, I was in speech and debate and we always had the regional tournaments here and I always looked forward to that. So I, I knew where I was coming to school mm-hmm. um, in elementary school.
0: wow, uh, yeah,
1: My older brothers and sisters all went to McNeese and some mm-hmm. went on to graduate school uh, elsewhere. Uh, but I came here and, and uh I've gotten some of my nieces and nephews over here now, so I'm trying to change the trajectory of the family.
0: Right, right. And since then, my
1: my wife came and finished here, and my son uh, has two degrees here, so we're in the third Mm -hmm. generations. Did you always know
0: education was going to be the focus?
1: Yeah, I kind of—I think in high school, I had some really good— teachers, particularly in, in history, and, and they got me real interested in history, particularly Louisiana history, so I'll, I wanted to be a high school history teacher, and that's what I came to school here to be. Um, it was unusual circumstances. I was pretty active as a student and got to know some of the people in the Dean of Students Office uh, well. Sometimes for good reasons, sometimes (laughs) not for good reasons. And it's not true that I had my name on a chair in the lobby of the dean of student's office, but (laughs) rumors to that effect are out there. Um, And I graduated in December of 1976. And in those days, you couldn't get a regular teaching contract unless you started at the beginning of the school year. Mm -hmm. And so I was doing some substitution, that sort of thing. And the university called, and they had an opening in student affairs working with uh, student organizations, SGA, and asked if I wanted to do that. And I figured, well, I'll go do it for six months or a year until I can get, get back on the regular cycle and, and get me a high school history teaching job. Uh, and that that just changed the trajectory of my uh-huh. career. I never, never expected or planned for it. Um, did that for three years, and then... Uh, The Alumni Affairs position opened, and I was encouraged to apply for that and did that. Um, That lasted about 10, 12 years, you know. Wow. I started doing governmental relations during that time, Mm -hmm. uh, became a vice president. Uh, Because of the governmental relations experience uh, and legislative work, uh, Senator Mike Foster from Franklin, who later ran for and became—was elected governor, he was really the only one— um, I was the only one that he was familiar with in higher education because I had been communicating with him. And he asked me to work with him on his transition team. So I did that. And then the commissioner of higher education announced his retirement. And Governor Foster said, why don't you go do that for six months or so until we figure out what we want to do Mm -hmm. longer term. And those six months turned into 12 years and three governors. Wow.
0: I do have a question for Mm -hmm. you. You kind of glossed over your... Undergrad days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know you were active on campus. I'm not mm-hmm. talking about having the chair with your name on it, but <laughs> can you talk a little bit about that? Because that's kind of defining of who you are. I mean, you made a lot of friends on campus. You were mm-hmm. active
1: mm-hmm. in
0: social life. You were in a fraternity. If yeah. If you kind of yeah, I was remind in, uh, people.
1: Yeah. Cap Sigma fraternity. And I was there um, during the, the glory or inglorious days. I'm not sure. And they were on and off campus. Um, and. <laughs> As a sophomore, I think, no, a second semester freshman, uh, the fraternity was kicked off campus. All these the things members, happen, though, right? Yeah, these <laughs> things happen. Uh, and I was one of only three who weren't present mm-hmm. at the incident. That. Yeah. And Dean Blanco at the time came in and said, "All right, you're the new president, you're the new vice mm-hmm. president, you're the new whatever." so as a freshman, I was president of the fraternity
0: and how many were in the fraternity like
1: uh, there were probably seventy five or eighty at the time.
0: you were just off campus and your
1: yeah, yeah uh, and I had to, you know we had to conduct business and get our get our business straight and, <laughs> you know and, and keep keep the discipline record clean for a little while uh-huh. but I, I moved into the fraternity house uh, I was a uh, dorm counselor prior to that, but I moved in the fraternity house and, and, and I was president for uh, six terms, three yeah. years. I thought and, I and, read uh, that. Yeah, yeah. That's
0: a, that's a long haul for
1: yeah, serving as yeah. president. <laughs> well, I started real early <laughs> and, and, uh, but by my senior year, I had, had pretty much enough of uh-huh. that. And, um, so yeah, I enjoyed it, but, but anyhow, it, it did, uh, create a, a, a group of friends. Mm-hmm. Many are still close friends uh, today. Yeah. Uh, it also exposed me to the inner workings of the university because I was mm-hmm. either representing the fraternity or representing some uh, some member of the fraternity who had not followed through on some things. And so I learned some negotiating skills. and, and Which uh, is invaluable. Well, I, I guess it was more survival skills yeah. at the time. I didn't know that I was learning anything.
0: Mm-hmm. I always just thought it was interesting. I know you were friends with our past mayor president mm-hmm. Joey Durrell and others Joey that are Durrell well known. Joey
1: Durrell was a, a pledge brother of mine. Uh-huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah.
0: probably no one would have pictured you guys as head of the university. And yeah, well, mayor I, I'll bet
1: a lot of people wouldn't have pictured me as the head of the university, <laughs> <laughs> particularly my high school principal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I do want to get in about your late wife, mm-hmm. um, Gail. I know that you met her in high school, and I'm sure she was an important part of. Mm-hmm. You're growing up. I mean, we yep. miss her. She was an ambassador yeah. for the university. Yep.
1: yep, Uh Miss her every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a rising senior in high school. Um, and fashion or fashion myself as, as kind of, you know, one of the end guys. A man and, about and, town. And, yeah, a man about <laughs> town. That's a good way to describe <laughs> it. Um, and my then-girlfriend, who was— a senior, I was a junior. She was a the head cheerleader, so I was kind of in with the in crowd. Um, went off to college, mm-hmm. and we had cheerleader tryouts at that spring semester. And all of our friends, you know, we were making sure that our friends got elected to be cheerleader. And all of a sudden, this little girl comes out of the the dressing room and does about six or seven backflips across the wow. the basketball court. And I said, I don't know who she is, but she needs to be the cheerleader. So. We'll be. <laughs> I became her campaign manager, didn't know, <laughs> didn't know her name, uh, and didn't really have any interest other than I was just impressed with her, you know, that she did, did that thing. And then we met uh, uh, later that summer and um, kind of hit it off and dated on and off. It wasn't a constant thing, but we dated for six years. I think about every three or four months, one of us got tired of the other yep. one and break up for another three or four months, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, as we got, went through college— she came to school here as well. Uh, that relationship got closer. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we were married uh, right after she graduated in 77.
0: Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to commemorate her.
1: 44 years, I think. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. So higher education, I mean, you've, you've really paid your dues. And I do remember I, I lobbied way back and worked in mm-hmm. government. I worked with the Secretary of State's office. I remember you always being up there. And it's mm-hmm. a skill— dealing with legislative issues and protecting a university's funding. And right. uh, if you want to touch on that, I mean, that was probably a, a good ground for learning. Yeah. As you talked about negotiating skills, mm-hmm. about protecting higher education. Yeah.
1: Well, I did uh, governmental relations for the university for a few years, and then the system, uh, the then it was the Board of Trustees for state colleges and universities, now the University oh. of Louisiana system. They really didn't have college lobbyist, if you will. LSU had people there. Tulane had people there. And I was the only other one. Uh, I got to be uh, good friends with Rouse Caffey. Rouse was the chancellor of the LSU Ag Center Mm -hmm. and probably one of the most effective um, higher ed lobbyists that there were. I mean, the Ag Center has locations in every parish in the state, so we had Mm -hmm. relationships. And he was very kind to me and and, and brought me around, introduced me to everyone. And uh, Ormond Brinkhouse, who was chairman of the Senate Education Committee, uh, would let me come in and every—he'd have a little cocktail hour every day after the session would they would mm-hmm. adjourn. And it was kind of exclusive to the senators, but he'd bring me in there and let me be the bartender. and wow. So I got, got to develop some relationships with the, uh, some of the senators there, which helped. Um, and I, I tried then to be a higher ed advocate, not just a university advocate. And I think that was part of the reason that when uh, Governor Foster asked me to serve in the commissioner's job, which is responsible for all the colleges, I had had certain a certain reputation of being fair and trying mm-hmm. to treat everyone uh, equally. And so I didn't really, I didn't start from scratch. I had a relationship with a lot of people and, mm-hmm. and that helped. And Governor Foster came in with a significant agenda. You know, he wanted to rebuild yeah. uh, Education at all levels, higher education. He wanted to create the community technical college Mm -hmm. system. Cecil Picard was superintendent of education. He and I were good friends, and and so we did a lot to kind of bring this K-to-16 notion about. And uh, we established admissions criteria for the institutions. We came up with a new master plan. We created the community technical college system. We tripled funding in Mm -hmm. 12 years. And we had a lot of good progress and momentum going. And and I was really enjoying it because I thought we were making good progress. Really thought that I would end my career uh, uh, at the Board of Regents. You did? Mm -hmm. But then this position opened up here. Right, this gig came
0: up. While we're talking about your work, mm -hmm. tripling funding, would you talk, please, about— funding today versus when you and I went to college, let's mm-hmm. say. I, I was very lucky to get a college degree. It's it's unobtainable for so many people right now unless they go into debt. But when we went to school, yep. the state really covered most of the expense. I think I paid $160 a semester at LSU in yep. 1975. I mean, this is yep. going way back. Mm-hmm. But- Someone like me, I could go through school and yep. stumble through and end up right. in law school. Mm-hmm. But today, it's it's yep. a different ball game. But when you yeah. were there, tripling this funding, we were investing in right the young right. Lines. I mean,
1: the tuition costs today, I, I think, are, are way out of line with they, what they ought to be. I mean, a student at 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 U L Lafayette, um, it's. $5,500, mm-hmm. you know, then you got books on top of that. And if Living, you live on campus, it's travel. another $5,000 or $6,000 a semester. Yeah. So it shouldn't cost $30,000 a year to go to a public institution. That's just way out of line. But that's a direct result of the disinvestment that mm-hmm. the state has made in read When I uh, uh, first came to this position uh, 15, 16 years ago, doesn't seem like that long, but whatever. Yeah, um, 2008, yeah. The state provided about seventy-five percent of the of our revenue. Uh, now it's about twenty percent or eighteen to twenty percent, and most of the balance of that has has come through increased tuition and fees. Mm-hmm. So it, we've really the state has really passed the burden for education uh, to the backs of students and their families. And, Uh, That's that's one of the biggest challenges that we have is students can start off or families can start off, but they have trouble in that second or third year when some of those loans become due, Mm -hmm. and you have to start paying one loan off and taking out another loan, and uh, so it's it's tough. Yeah, tough.
0: I just feel so grateful that I went when I did, Mm -hmm. but of course it's time for the new generation
1: of young leaders to come. Give you just a, a. when you said the $160 yeah. or whatever it was at LSU, I remember line, lined up in the ballroom with, the, with our little punch cards, which uh-huh. is where you had to get all I'll your, your registration. It would be 1,000 kids and all these <laughs> snaked in lines. And tuition went up. Uh, I might be off, but it was $158 to $170. dollars mm-hmm. We had a sit-in in the ballroom. Everybody twelve dollars. Over the twelve-dollar an increase, outrage. and we refused. You know. It, 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 Did you get uh, in trouble again?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> but you know, it, it's uh, it now. Now it's twelve dollars for a, uh, a a testing booklet or something. You know? Yeah,
0: yeah. I just yeah. wanted you to get that in because yeah. people, you know, they don't want government, but yeah, government can help. Oh, In yeah. so many ways, right. for right. quality of life issues, mm-hmm. and an education, is probably the most valuable that's resource right. we can have.
1: That's so, right. That's right. And this—let me just hit this. Though the state has helped through things like the TOPS program, mm-hmm. um, and there, the Go Grants for uh, lower-income students is, is helpful, and the generosity of donors. We we spent a lot of time raising money for scholarships, and uh, that's been very helpful, and it's made a big difference. Of, in, in a lot of kids' lives.
0: Do I understand it correctly for T.O.P.S.? Do you have to start right after you graduate? Can you defer T.O.P.S. I think if you're there are some ready? options.
1: It's not, a, it's not a long, and I apologize for not knowing specifically, yeah, I don't know I, but I think either. you have a year or two to start.
0: Because uh-huh. so many kids aren't mature enough to yeah, start college, up. and then That's they get right. in there and they they mess up, mm-hmm. and then there goes T.O.P.S., you know? Yeah. But I was curious about that. I, mm-hmm. I didn't know the rules You have either. some time.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, But you have to maintain certain progress. You have to complete so many hours. Mm -hmm. You have to maintain a grade point average. Uh, You can come in the summers and make that up and bring that back up to whatever level you need to. And most students, top students do pretty well because they're they're generally Mm -hmm. prepared for college anyhow. Mm -hmm. But you do have some issues like maturity, and we try to be sensitive to that.
0: So with the creation of the Louisiana Community and Technical College System, you know, here we have SLCC in Mm -hmm. our community, and they're throughout— This region, that to me is such an invaluable resource, also for mm-hmm. for different types of learning certificates, mm-hmm. a two year associates that's degree. Right. That's right. But that I didn't realize your background in that. So there's mm-hmm. a symbiotic relationship. A lot of the kids end up at UL. No oh, right? question. Yeah. The
1: SLCC is a great partner for us, and they are they are our number one feeder school, mm-hmm. and uh, we have real good relationships with them. A lot of uh, articulation agreements between programs, so kids can start. You know, either complete a two-year degree or complete a certain number of courses and then transfer over. Uh, And we have uh, we meet on a regular basis to make sure that all that's working smoothly. And and, uh, yeah, we have a great relationship with SLCC.
0: Mm -hmm. I know there's been a push for what 55 by 25. I don't know where we are on Mm -hmm. that, but
1: making progress. Good. Yeah.
0: But all of these institutions Mm -hmm. make our community better. That's right. Just wanted to get that in that you've Mm -hmm. been a good partner with SLCC. So you ended up here in two thousand eight, um, back home.
1: Right. You right. probably
0: were here the whole time and yeah, actually drove. when
1: because it was supposed to be a a temporary assignment, six months or so, I really I took a leave of absence from the university. It was in July of um I guess ninety eight or something, ninety six, mm-hmm. somewhere along that that timeline. And um my daughter was a senior. In high school, just starting her senior year, and my son was just starting first grade, uh, and we love Lafayette, and they had they had no intention of moving to Baton Rouge. So I figured I could handle that. I had been driving back and forth for a decade before that, anyhow. Mm-hmm. So I commuted for twelve years. Um, and learned every back road between here and Baton Rouge. It's a tough
0: commute on yeah, certain days. Yeah,
1: but you know, it was it was it was good in some ways. And because you got to think about what you were going to do that day on the morning drive, mm-hmm. uh, and then in the evenings you get you thought about what you screwed up and how you are going to fix it the next day. You know, <laughs> and a beautiful so, view on the yeah, law, yeah. I love going across the basin; it mm-hmm. changes all the time. And, mm-hmm. and uh, there are a few a few accidents now and then, but overall, uh, it just added it added hours to long days. But it wasn't they weren't bad hours. I mean, mm-hmm. they were they were thinking hours and. Uh, um phone call hours and that sort of thing.
0: Right. Mm. So you you moved into the house, the the circle? Is that yeah. where you would live?
1: Yeah. Uh, um beautiful house. Yeah, it is. It it uh was built in nineteen thirty eight, I believe. It's been home to uh three or four presidents and their families. The Rougeot's probably had the most, they had several mm-hmm. children and, and occupied most of it. Um the house is used for a lot of university functions and activities. I mean, there's a formal area. The, pretty much the first floor is, is a formal area. So I, I use the kitchen and there's a little library and that's about it. Most mm-hmm. of the time I spend upstairs. Um, and so it, it's, a, it's almost like living in a hotel in some ways. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, I checked in one day, I'm gonna check out, but uh, I remember probably the first week or two I was there, I come running down the stairs in my robe and going out to get my newspaper, and there were a group of women sitting around the uh, kitchen oh, no. table having coffee for their monthly oh, no. women's faculty club or something. <laughs> oh, I don't know what it was. So I did a moonwalk back up the stairs. And at least you had the robe on. <laughs> yeah, at least I had the robe on. That's right. I, 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 was, trying, I was trying to act the part. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there, there are people who work there and work uh, and do things – around events that, I mean, they take care of their business, and sometimes they tell me, sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of used to it.
0: Yeah. So you're the sixth president.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. I mean, yeah. there haven't been many.
1: No, that, that really is— um, It's
0: 1901.
1: Yeah. That, that's Well, I think he, he was named in, earlier than that. He started— 1898 like, was yeah, when it yeah. was started. But then uh, I think uh, And that, that's Martin, unusual. I, th- yeah, I was reading the a report a couple of weeks ago, the average— uh, tenure for a college president is like five and a half or six years. Oh. So I told someone in my office that it just proves that I'm above average. You know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you do have a name by your chair. Yeah, that's you right. earned it, that right? Yeah, that's right. Gosh. That's right. So so many things have happened so positive. If you want to talk about Carnegie's um, designation of the university. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't imagine a more prestigious Mm -hmm. honor than to be recognized by your peers for Mm -hmm. what the university is doing Mm -hmm. in research, if you want to talk about that.
1: Well, this pathway uh, for the university to to become nationally competitive research institution started back in probably 1960 with the establishment of the first doctoral program in computer science, in which the university uh, was one of the, I think, the first university in the southern part of the United States to have that program. And so, developed quite a reputation, and then built on that, and built on that, and built on that. I recall as a uh, young administrator in the, probably the '80s, we our goal was to become a Carnegie Research Doctoral Two Institution, mm-hmm. and so we, we had strategic meetings about that, and we worked for six or eight years to to get there. And so, we've been on this path for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Dr. Odomar did such a magnificent job of building the infrastructure and and the human capacity to Mm -hmm. get us there. I just tried to keep that momentum going and and then brought in some real good people, Ramesh Kalaru and others who have been tremendous leaders in in those areas. And um, we just kept focused and and Mm -hmm. stayed stayed with it. And you mentioned the the small number of presidents, and that is unusual. Um, I've been... I've been to the uh, inaugural ceremonies of uh, my colleagues around the state at some institutions three or four times in in, in that Mm -hmm. period. And institutions are are big, complicated places, and it's hard to get them moving in a direction and kind of making sure that the culture follows that Mm -hmm. that momentum. It's almost generational in, in nature. And so we've been at it for a while. And I think that the, the longevity and, and the. Uh, uh, of, of the, having few presidents and doing the same things long enough to mm-hmm. where that becomes the normal way of doing things, and then the momentum starts to build. Mm-hmm. And, and I was telling someone just yesterday uh, the last couple of weeks, as we end, get close to the end of the semester, there are these uh, multiple recognition ceremonies and activities and we had um, we had uh, a celebration of of that excellence through a a larger university-wide program last week which we had over 800 students uh, honors convocation we recognized 800 Uh students recognized uh, about 100 faculty members and their families were there and 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 for the first don't time the first time but it really struck me this year probably 18 or 20 events in the last couple mm-hmm. of weeks, <laughs> celebrating how you e- keep up. celebrating excellence. Right. And I was just struck by how many good things are going on mm-hmm. and, and how many bright people we have, bright young people and bright faculty members and all the good work that's going on, and the interesting things that are going on. Uh, and it, it just, it kind of gave me a pep in my step. And I said, this yeah. this place is on the move. and. and mm-hmm. uh, and my job is either is keep pushing and not screw it up, you know. It well, it, uh, it uh, really great things are happening. Uh, we're recognizing new up and coming faculty members who are doing great things. Mm-hmm. Accomplished faculty members, bright, bright students, you know. And so there's a lot of th- a lot of good things going on.
0: Well, the university is the backbone mm-hmm. of our community, well, of our our city and our parish. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's the backbone.
1: Well, we like we like to think so, but we also recognize that we have a responsibility in, mm-hmm. in that role. And, and uh, we talk about that a lot. And, and so that's why we're, we have so many people involved in, in community activities of all kinds of sorts, through mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, non-profit organizations, through government committees and commissions, and, and just trying to stay engaged so mm-hmm. we can, get, one, get a, a finger on the pulse of the community and see where it, it wants to go, and, and then try to help it get there. and so. Uh, it, it's a symbiotic relationship, and, and we're dependent upon one another, and, and we take our mm-hmm. responsibility pretty seriously.
0: I can see why the longevity, though, of service is important. I'm thinking back. I didn't realize till I started doing interviews like this, both mm-hmm. Discover Lafayette and then, remember, I had the Upper Lafayette on mm-hmm. the Move show mm-hmm. I'd interviewed you on. But back in the day when the computer science field was just coming right. up, I mean, UL, USL mm-hmm. was on par with MIT. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people here may not know that, but mm-hmm. it's always been an outstanding institution. No, we still we still have
1: an excellent uh, program in computer science, computer engineering, and I mean that's really uh, a quickly evolving field with artificial intelligence and all those other things that are coming about. And we have and we're bringing in people who are who are um, up to speed on that and, and trying to lead the way in a whole variety of fields. Uh, it, it's difficult to start naming the, the disciplines because there's excellence in so many uh, different areas.
0: What about sports? You want to touch on sports and the, the booster support? I mean, mm-hmm. I know you've got a lot of people supporting the yep. university's yep.
1: growth in sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we started, uh, when I first came back, we started the Rage Cajun Athletic Foundation, which has been real significant in helping to raise private dollars, first to help us attract coaches, and then the coaches uh, attract the players, and then the level of competition improves. And and so we've been doing some pretty good things there, and and Mm -hmm. our our teams are very competitive. Golf just won the conference championship uh, last week. Uh, Basketball won the conference tournament. Softball, I think it, this weekend, if they win one out of three games, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll wrap up the championship for the conference. We're hosting the, the conference uh, uh, tournament here. Uh, football continues uh, to make some good progress. Uh, coach uh, Desimo is a, is a first-class guy, a first-class mm-hmm. coach, and he's going to build something special. So... Uh, we feel real good about all of that. The mm-hmm. facilities we've we've redone just about all the facilities with the exception of football, and we're working on that right now. Uh, hopefully, if all the funding comes into play uh, into place by the end of this upcoming uh, season, we'll start work on renovations to, to cage and field. So we will have done softball and baseball, track, soccer. Uh, volleyball now, and, and Earl K. Long, which really has a—it's a, a first-class volleyball uh, facility, uh, track and field. Everything is basketball. We, we improved the Cajun Dome, so Cajun Field is the last—the mm-hmm. last one. To, but it was—it's the biggest project, and we we intentionally left it to last because we knew the cost and expense of it would suck all the air out of the mm-hmm. room. So we tried to get everything else done first.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about growth, I, I realized we hadn't talked about health sciences or yep. the acquisition mm-hmm. right. of new space, if you want to touch on that too. I mean, it, things have been booming.
1: Yeah, the uh, the acquisition of the uh, old Our Lady of Lourdes hospital property, uh, some of it which was owned by the Diocese of Lafayette, mm-hmm. you know, that, that was a project that was a piece of cake. It only took about <laughs> 10 years, I think, uh, to put together. That, that gets back to that consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a project that could have been lost uh, a dozen times during that, during that period, but we stayed with it. Uh, and it's, gonna, it's going to provide, I think, the next big leap for the university in the health sciences area. Uh, it will allow us, we already have the largest um, college of nursing in the state, one of the largest in the, in the country with, with exceptional pass rates. So it's not only large, it's very good. Uh, but we still have a shortage of, of nurses mm-hmm. and healthcare workers. This will allow us over a four year period to double the size of that college. So we're gonna be moving our juniors and seniors uh, from their facility on campus now to one of the uh, medical office buildings at the Lord's property this fall. That'll allow us to bring in 100 more freshman students over, over a four year period. We'll just about double the size of that college. It'll allow us to develop some other biomedical academic programs particularly the graduate area we're in uh, real uh, positive negotiations with the LSU Health Sciences Center to expand some of their programs there so we can uh, have nurses and doctors and healthcare workers all learning together Mm -hmm. in the same facility Uh, so that's just with the existing buildings and we have we do have some money from the legislature for one additional building Uh, so that's that's a big thing And, and and Healthcare is, as most people, I think, realize if they come in the oil center, it's a medical center is mm-hmm. really what it has what turned out to be. And there's so much demand. Uh, every one of our graduates has two or three job offers, and most of them have jobs before they, they graduate. So the demand is there. We need to feed that demand. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to continue to do that.
0: Was the space in good shape? Like, is it move-in? Or is there a lot of work that needs to be done on Uh, the acquisition? The
1: buildings are in in pretty good shape. uh, You know, some renovations Mm -hmm. to to turn them into academic space as opposed to kind of clinical space. Uh, But it's mostly just movable walls and things like that, a lot of electrical work. Uh, But we're getting that done. And through our delegation, our legislative delegation has been very supportive in in providing us the funds to get that done. Uh, So we're really excited about that. It it will become— um, uh, uh, it'll, it will be a giant step forward right. for the university and for the community mm-hmm. and to help Acadiana continue to grow and be a leader in health care, uh, mm-hmm. provision, provision of health care. I think just as significant in that acquisition is that there's about 20 acres of vacant land, which the university can use for the next generation of growth. Uh, you know... Um, Dr. Fletcher, who was uh, one of my predecessors back in the 40s and 50s, started buying farmland south of Lafayette. Well, south of Lafayette then was where Blackham Coliseum <laughs> is, is now. And he bought all of that, and, and he was he was criticized for spending all that money buying all that property. Well, that property now has our athletic complex, it has University Medical Center, it has our research park, it has the Cajun Dome, it has South Louisiana Community College. Uh, I don't know that he envisioned all of those mm-hmm. things, but he knew that he that the university needed yeah. the opportunity to do to That's build right those right. things. Yeah. So these twenty acres here, uh, I see that much the same way. I mean, where when when else could you find twenty five acres of land right in the middle of Lafayette? Right where you need it. Right. Yeah. Right where you need it. Uh, it would been it would have been impossible. So I was willing to work on that project for. Twenty years, if it took twenty years to to get it done, but those twenty acres of vacant land, uh, you know, I'm I'm unlikely to see what happens there, but someone will be able to, and so the university has an opportunity to continue to grow because of that acquisition. So it's a it's a generational mm-hmm. uh, type event. Mm-hmm.
0: Are you in a position to talk about the Performing Arts Center? Is that moving forward to be
1: some on? degree? I I don't know a, a whole lot. Uh, we've I've been in multiple meetings. Uh, I know that there's support from the legislative delegation, a lot of support from the arts community. Uh, If there's funding, uh, we've put forth a a proposal that we could host the the facility on university property, Um, but the funding has to come first, and then we'll just see where it goes from there. Uh, The the forming arts play a a critical role uh, in the life of the community, and we We support that through Angel Hall, which is one of the most used buildings on campus. About uh, 100 days a year, it's used by non-university groups. Uh, So there's a great demand. That's in addition to what the Hyman Performing Arts Center does. So there's a great need for that type of facility.
0: Are there any questions you thought I would ask? I know, Jason, probably you have some, but is there anything you were expecting me to ask you?
1: No, I, I I try not to worry about those things. I just, I just let it try. let it yeah.
0: flow. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I just try to to respond to whatever's asked.
0: Mm-hmm. Jason, do you have any uh, questions that were
2: inspired? I, I, I do, and they're you know they're fun questions, nothing too serious. First of all, thank you for being here. Mm-hmm. This was like a big interview for Raider Solutions having you in the building. well, no. uh, we're we're a supporter of UL Athletics. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking around the office. There's six students that are yeah. currently in there UL that are working in here. Our interns come from UL, mm-hmm. um, and so it, it's it's really interesting to see that the the connection between the community business mm-hmm. and, and UL. Mm-hmm. Like UL is such a big part of of Lafayette. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, when when everybody said Dr. Sabo is coming, it's like all right, make sure the podcast was no. clean and good to go <laughs> exactly. and, oh, yeah. and ready for him.
1: Well, I was looking forward to it. I, I watched the renovation of this building and. and had many meals in this mm-hmm. building I before, uh, but y'all have done a great job with it. I mean, yeah. It's really first rate and uh, uh, very modern and uh, thank pretty you. nice. Thank you, yeah, we, we spent some time on it. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so
2: first question. If you had mass- a massive grant or just a huge sum of money, is there some sort of dream project or something that in the back of your mind you'd really like to see that it, to do in your time that, I don't know, just, just a big mm-hmm. dream project? you like to implement
1: well I, I think this the health science campus is is a dream project okay um, uh, so and it'll take us a while to build that out but but it uh, we're it's moving forward rather rapidly uh, we have been lucky with our legislative delegation the last few years and the governor uh, to get some significant dollars for facility improvements capital outlay uh, we're redoing are uh, currently about four academic buildings on campus that are uh, in need of updating and repair mm-hmm. uh, Foster and DeCluet. one of them was built in nineteen o one the other one nineteen o two they were oh, both wow. yeah they were both uh, last renovated in the 1930s so they need oh, a little bit is. of work to, to wow. a, but they're historic buildings I think they're the oldest uh, uh buildings on a public university campus in the state that are still wow. in use. Um, I mean, the LSU campus wasn't built until the 20s, you know, so the, mm-hmm. these buildings were 20 years old when LSU was built wow. and haven't had any significant work done to them in a while. So redoing, uh, taking care of the physical plant, I think is very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only because you, you should you should maintain those historic structures, but also you wanna be able to provide students with the most modern accommodations that you can. Uh, We're currently building a a new, not groundbreaking yet, but close to a new engineering building, renovating the existing engineering building. Um, We have plans for a new sciences building. Uh, When we move nursing out of their building, we're gonna renovate that, Uh, probably move a variety of, of student services that are now spread out among campus, around campus, to one building. So we have essentially a one stop shop for student services oh, in that wow. building okay. next to the student union. Now, when that happens, the dominoes continue to, to go yep. because the people that were moving into that building are going to leave buildings that need to be updated and renovated. So it's probably a 20 year uh, process of, of uh, upgrading, renovating, remodeling. In some building new of facilities. Uh, We've done a lot of that in the last decade or so, probably, I think someone ran the numbers close to half a billion dollars in in facility renovations and construction in the last decade, and we have that much more to go. But then the campus will be you know, in top-notch shape. And, That's and, uh, a lot of moving parts. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's interesting. You never get bored because there's something new going on every yeah. day, and and uh, and it covers the whole spectrum. You know, mm-hmm. from from arts to engineering to nursing to education, and and uh, everybody's doing good stuff, and it's just a uh, an interesting place to be. Wow. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, and by the time you get done with those buildings, it'll be time to revisit some of the older ones. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's it all, never ends. Yeah, it it's never like owning ends. a house. You yeah. fix one thing and then yeah. something else, yeah.
1: Yeah, but in this business, if particularly uh, the dynamics of higher education, if you're not moving forward and making progress every day, you're falling behind because that somebody else is. Yeah. Yep. And um, we we started talking a little bit about the Carnegie One but mm-hmm. I don't think we ever got there.
0: We didn't really finish it. We yeah, didn't if you really finish
1: it there. But, you know, all those institutions are, uh, are out of the 4,000 colleges and universities uh, in the country. We're in a group of about 130 mm-hmm. who are in that uh, top 2%. Well, there are a lot of people who are in the top 5% who want to be in that top 2%. And so they're working hard every day. And uh, you have some who are entrenched, but you've got some who you have to work hard. You know, to to stay where you are, Um, and we've we've made good progress. It's it's an evaluation that comes around every three years, Uh, and we've we're significantly better than we were two years ago when we got the designation. So, we're going to make sure that we stay there. Excellent.
0: Do they look at the physical space or just the accomplishments when they, you get that it's, it's a
1: variety of things. It's it's a kind of somewhat of a complex formula, but it involves, you know, your research expenditures. So how much money do you spend on research activities? How many doctoral uh, degrees do you grant? How many uh, non-teaching research faculty do you have? How much of uh, your research money comes from re- federal research dollars? Uh, because that's those are competitive dollars. Mm-hmm. Um number of graduate students, uh, lab spaces, all those kinds of things. So it's anything, if you were thinking about a research enterprise of some sort, what are all the elements? And they try to, and they just list what everybody has, and you come up with some numeric result, and you either hit this, this uh,
0: benchmark, or whatever. benchmark, whatever
1: yeah. it might be, or not. And so mm-hmm. that means you have to keep improving all the time.
2: Right. Wow.
1: Um,
2: all right. This is a
1: tough question, I would imagine. <laughs> what is a day in the
2: life of oh, Doctor yeah. Savoy?
0: Including champagne, so like? Yeah. We includes, yeah, about. yeah. <laughs> well, We were talking about dinner last <laughs> night. We yeah.
2: had, and we were talking about you know Jan taking this everything mm-hmm. one day at a time here, not really can't plan too far ahead. But what does a day typical day look like for you?
1: Uh. I never know you know it, it, uh, I mean there are some things that are structured, obviously yep. there's regular meetings and that that sort of thing, uh, but there are lots of events, uh, both on campus and off campus uh, there are sporting events, there are ac- academic uh, activities of various sorts. Um, i the The thing that i i don't say dislike the thing that I get most disappointed in is I can't do it all. Mm. Um, because there are just too many things happening all the time. So it's it's not typical. There's no, no typical day. And then it, yeah. it, it ebbs and flows with the time of year. So it gets real particularly busy uh, near the end of the semester. It's particularly busy during the beginning of the semester. Of course. Uh, summers, you know, we, we we never stop. And we go, we're about to end this semester, and then we have a mini-mester between uh, spring and fall summer and then we have four different summer sessions and and during the summer we have I think uh, about 10 or 11 freshman orientation programs that are going on and there's also parent orientation programs we have uh, uh, senior days for the kids who come next year we have junior days so there's 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 some activity happening all the time Um,
0: you don't just hang out in your robe
1: No, (laughs) well, I
0: drink coffee (laughs) early. No,
1: no, I wish uh, every now and then then, on a Sunday morning or something like that. Um, And then I go to Champagne's two or three evenings a week. That's (laughs) the
2: place to be. Yeah, 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 it is. I see a lot of people there. Yeah. What what about uh, what do you do with with your free time? Read, golf, fishing? Do you Um, you even have time for, for hobbies?
1: Well, you have, you have to make the activities your hobby almost. So uh, I, I go to a lot of athletic events. Gail used to love those things. Gail, Gail was a, a super little athlete. i talked about her mm-hmm. gymnastic skills, but she was a track star and a softball star. And mm-hmm. In those days, it was just before Title IX, so there weren't any scholarship opportunities uh, for female athletes. It's, and that's she made me a female athlete fan because she made sure that I went to the basketball games and the softball games and everything else, volleyball games, um, and it was because of that she saw the value in those things. So, but I've come to to love all those sports, and so that that is my entertainment. Uh, I tried golfing years ago. I never got good enough <laughs> that it didn't take me too much too much time. I just never could yeah. spend it to get very good at it. I have a camp. I think the last time I went was about three or four months ago. <laughs> uh, it, it's in between here and Baton Rouge and in, in the basin, and I, I'd swing by every now and then just to turn the water on and yeah. turn the water off to make sure that things are still operating. And never spend the Fourth of July. We have a, we have about a four or five days in July that we spend out there, but that's really about it. Oh wow! Okay. So. My hobbies and my free time are university activities, okay
0: mm. and I wow. remember you walking around though literally picking up trash you'd see like yeah, in the yeah. early mornings. I don't yeah, know if you still yeah. have time to do that, but it,
1: I do it you know. uh, not as much as I, I used to, but it was important that I did it early on mm-hmm. though because so I was trying to set a tone you right. know? it was and important you yeah and and yeah the the people now I, I can I can tell the difference when I first started I would bring a a a lawn bag and pick up trash and uh, in about an hour so I could fill up a lawn bag. A year or so later, I'd bring a little kitchen trash can bag and fill it up. Now, you know, uh, I barely fill up a a little small plastic bag if I walk around. So people are taking care of things, they're doing things, and they recognize the importance of it. Plus, we put a lot of focus on that, you know. Uh, But, uh, yeah. And the other thing that it did was, I, I got to look at the campus when no one was on it, you know, so I could see if lights were on that shouldn't been on, if lights were out that shouldn't mm. be out. Oh, okay. And I used to frustrate our former facility director because I'd call him <laughs> at 715. I'd say, you need to go check on this, this. And he'd go, how the hell do you <laughs> know? As I, started, <laughs> I just walking Strong. around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's great. Yeah, lead by example. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to. You got yeah. to set the tone.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, then – so, finally, my my go-to question, um, advice for young people, mm. kids just getting out of high school, looking at college, and then also those just getting out of college looking to jump into the workforce, mm. do you have any advice for them, just in general?
1: Well, uh, high school kids do what what I didn't do, and that's prepare yourself for the next level. <laughs> uh, I had a lot of fun in high school. I had a lot of fun in college, too. Um, but... I had to make up for it once I got to college because I, I didn't really take my uh, high school preparation as seriously as I could. So, if, I mean, it doesn't mean that you have to become a, a straight-A student or anything like that. Just pay attention to your to your work, and, and uh, it, it's pretty easy. The admissions criteria, the admissions criteria, and tops is tops, and if you just follow that, you'll, you'll be prepared. I think you should go to an institution where you feel comfortable, where you feel that you can fit in, uh, you should get involved in something outside of the classroom. Uh, that helps you to feel more part of the place. You get involved in the culture. You make friends. Your friends are your support group. Um, so get engaged. Take advantage of this opportunity that you that you have uh, to learn and to discover and um, to kind of find your way through things without all of the burdens that mm-hmm. you know responsibilities that you may have later on. Yeah. Um, and then we, we work with uh, all of our students in trying to prepare them for the workforce before they graduate. Uh the majority of our students now have some sort of clinical experience uh, where they go out and, and do like the kids here. Yeah, know? yeah. They, they're getting real life yeah. experience, getting a sense of things. Um, we have offices that work with students to help them uh, to make that adjustment. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's the well-roundedness. It's, this is a this is an opportunity and experience that's going to prepare you for whatever it is you want to do. And, and you shouldn't pigeonhole yourself, Leave, give yourself some, uh, uh, some growing room and some decision-making room and, uh, j- just be prepared for whatever might happen. My whole career would was never planned. I didn't do it like mm-hmm. the book said Every every position I've had has just been circumstances, you know, led me to that. And, um, and I was just lucky. Yeah. I was just lucky. Yeah. Well, that,
2: that's a great answer. I like that. Yeah, get engaged. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you again for coming down here. And thank I don't you. know, maybe we'll go putt-putt golfing sometime or something. <laughs> something a little, bit, a little bit easier and quicker. <laughs> I used to like putt-putt. That Me A too. great little yeah, putt-putt portion. We'll little discover, line, huh? discover Lafayette putt-putt yeah. night. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Thank
1: you,
0: Jason, yeah. for everything, for taping this today and making us sound professional. Of course. And Dr. Joseph Savoy, thank you for taking time and— for your commitment mm-hmm. to our community. What you do impacts all of us and it makes Lafayette and Louisiana a much better place. I'm grateful for your service. Well, I
1: hope so and it's been a joy and a pleasure and, and uh, uh, we just onward and upward.
0: Yeah, yeah, thank you for taking time today. I wanna to thank our listeners also for your loyal support. If you haven't yet, please consider subscribing to Discover Lafayette wherever you get your podcast. We also have a website, discoverlafayette.net, where you can find Dr. Joseph Savoies along with about 310 others at this point. We've done it now. We're celebrating our sixth year weekly. um, And I'm very proud of the archive of interviews. Some take longer than others to schedule. (laughs) (laughs) But please check out the website. There's just a plethora of interesting interviews. On behalf of Discover Lafayette, this is Jan Swift.